everybody. So this week's episode is a bit different from the kind that we usually do. If you have followed us on the Twitters and the Facebook, you have seen that we've been promoting a particular hashtag war on Christmas. And this episode is the culmination of that endeavor. It's going to be a little weird and it's very much distinct from our normal style, but we are hoping that it is different and weird in a good way. I'll be going back to our regular podcast every two weeks, uh, starting in mid-January, so you can tune in for that on your podcast app. Before that, if you are really missing the dynamic humor that comes from Trafe Podcast, we're actually going to be airing a show live at CKUT 90.3 FM on Friday, January the 1st at 11 a.m., which is part of our monthly live broadcast at CKUT. So thank you, CKUT, once again. Please don't take us off the air. Yeah, uh, so enjoy the episode. So on the way to the studio today, I was coming from downtown because I had to stop by uh, the pharmacy there. And there was this huge Christmas tree outside. And then when I went to the metro, there was also a huge Christmas tree. Is this a regular thing here? Yes, David. Um, in contemporary North American societies in December, Christmas trees with many decorations are something that is a reality. No, I well, in Toronto, it's not like that. I don't believe you at all, David. Okay, well, at least my experience of growing up in Toronto did not i was able to not experience christmas in this way i guess all right well welcome to the big city David. yeah this is a lot different (laughs) it's everywhere yeah no i mean i don't know i have tried to never be in toronto in my life but um in montreal yeah there's a lot of trees a lot of decorations people are pretty into it i think i was just surprised like i was just surprised that it's almost like growing up watching american television and you see american police and you see American subways and you have this vision in your mind that that's reality in this weird way. And then you go to New York and you see them and it's really overwhelming. I feel like that's how it was with the Christmas trees. Like, I feel like I've, I've interacted with this through fiction mostly and and reading books and watching movies. And it's just this thing that exists in this parallel version of society that's reflected there. And to actually see it and to have it be such a strong thing was pretty intense. Huh? I think I'm a little desensitized to it all at this point. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess there's a cross on the mountain here. There's a cross on the mountain. I also feel like we're getting into a little Quebec bashing rest of Canada territory here, but we'll just leave that one aside. Well, I think what I should say is I didn't actually grow up in Toronto. I grew up north of the city in Orthodox Jewish community. So there was clearly no Christmas there. And I think by the time I was living in the city, it existed in a way that didn't demand an interaction. Yeah, I mean, when I was five or six, I ended up going to the state-sponsored theme park. That's called like Santa Village or something, or I'm not sure what the proper French translation is, but yeah, it's it's kind of everywhere. I don't know. Even where I'm living right now, most people have Christmas lights on their windows. It's a pretty uh, present thing right now. Despite the omnipresence of Christmas at this time of year, there are actually still humans who are concerned about the kind of integrity and staying power of Christmas. Like the Christian conservatives being like, there's a war on Christmas, or, you know, the gay liberal Jewish agendas, destroying traditional values kind of thing. Yeah, your, your Sean Hannity's, your Bill O'Reilly's, your Laura Ingraham's, your Megyn Kelly's, the, the kind of Fox News special. Well, I, did, I saw the thing about the Starbucks cup in the news and, yeah. you know, like the, the usual stuff. But I don't really know a lot about the Montreal context. You know, I feel like that I, I was realizing that I actually don't know 
a lot about what it means, what Christmas means here. And also, as a result, I guess I don't really know how to engage with a war on Christmas here. I couldn't really share the shock and concern that you had uh, about seeing these kind of ostentatious displays of Christianity and Christmas. But I do agree with you that I'm not entirely sure how we can engage in this war on Christmas. But I guess, well, I mean, for me, it's just a matter of, like, I feel like I don't really know what Montreal Christmas looks like, or I don't really know, have there been people here who have done that? Like, I don't, like, do you know of examples of Jewish people doing stuff like this before? I've got no idea, David, but I have a pretty good inclination that a friend of mine might have some ideas. good about this yeah this this sounds sounds good okay uh do you think he'll know or what we want to talk about he definitely is the go-to person for jewish his jewish radical history yeah. in montreal for the last 30 to 50 years at least oh. wow that's a fat squirrel well, hold on that? wait where right there oh yeah yeah it's definitely getting ready for the uh Oh, smart, months. David. Smart. Oh, hey, Moish. How are you doing? Uh, I did okay. Uh, are you okay talking with us a little bit for a little bit? I'm okay to talk. Depends what you want to talk about. Okay. Well, can we, can we just like maybe go inside for a second? Go inside for a second? Sure. We can go inside for two seconds. So if I say the war on Christmas to you, what? what if you, you say what? If I say the war on Christmas to you, The what? war on Christmas? Okay. You think you invented the war on Christmas? Let me tell you something. There's been a war on Christmas for the last 2,000 years. We've been in a war on Christmas, and we've been losing. As a matter of fact, you could even say we lost. But when you come down to it, who cares? So the joke is on them. Are there I any... don't even know if they don't care. Some of them do care, like you know the people who are worried about a war on Christmas. But you see, the problem is with those is that the people who are worried about the war on Christmas today are also in the midst of like trying to make alliances with Israel today. So they're trying to play down, like at least publicly, the Jewish aspect. They're like less fixated on the Jews. Well, has, has there been any history in Montreal about Jewish resistance to Christmas or conflict around Christmas? There's always been, let's say, in Jewish life in North America, conflict and resistance to Christmas. I'll tell you one thing. Here in Montreal, what did we used to call Christmas? Kratzmich. What does Kratzmich mean in Yiddish? It means scratch me. So people would say to each other, Merry, Merry Kratzmich. It's a nonviolent, you know, when you feel oppressed by someone, this is, you know, you don't have like other forms. This is how you react. It's the same way that Hasidim. We had the habit of playing cards on Christmas, on Nittle, Nittle, which is Christmas Eve. You play, they played cards instead of studying, figuring it's a bad luck day. People who had those Yiddish groups with me will remember that we, I um, introduced a poem, Nittle, Christmas, which was written for Jews in Poland, but it talked about the absolute fear that the Jews used to feel on Christmas Eve because... It could lead to violence. There'd be these processions in the street 
in Eastern Europe and Catholic Eastern Europe that the, often many Jews found frightening and feared that it would lead to some kind of pogrom, which used to happen on Easter. You know, when it, from their point of view, the Christians might remind themselves that the Jews killed their God. So as a result, it, it led to this tremendous fear, but the only way of fighting back, like you can say, kratzmich, Mary kratzmich, and or whatever, or play cards, or or make jokes, but it's an enormous conflict in Jewish life about Christmas. I don't understand why people would choose to play cards on a day that is considered unlucky. Yeah, I mean that's a very good question. I mean, we also just can't do any of those things except for saying Mary kratzmich. Christmas in North American culture also represents the possibility of assimilation for a lot of people. So, for example, as we know, Irving Berlin wrote the greatest of all Christmas songs, or the most popular of all, White Christmas. And Irving Berlin was one of these guys. He was, he, he was Jewish, but he, in, early in his career, he, he made money by writing anti-Semitic songs. There's a whole tradition of anti-Semitic songs for a market that existed at, at, in the 1920s in the United States, usually about Jews trying to swindle. He was somebody who really wanted to get as far as he could from his Jewish background. And it was an outlet to becoming a real American. And a real American meant Christian. And there used to be this formula that was very popular, like in the Reform Temple, for example, because you obviously did not want to say that Christ was a divinity. So people would say Jesus was the greatest man who ever lived. And of course, this was a sign of like people who wanted to be assimilated. Well, with all that, with all those attempts at assimilation going on, were there any people that actually confronted the institution? Of Christmas? It would be like in the kind of stuff that I've described to you now or making, often making fun of like the, what seemed to us after a while, the enormous materialism of like the Christmas holiday. But how do we say in Yiddish a, a far-fetched tale? Didn't rise up, didn't fly up. And what is that? I mean, it doesn't take much to figure out what they're talking about there. This is their way of saying that the, you know, the whole story about the resurrection and all this, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and everything that precedes it involving Jesus's death. It's like a likely story, as they say. But so this is this is the this is the war on on Christmas, if you want, in its early stages. But as you can see, it's a defensive war because they had on their side, so to speak, they had states and restrictions and pales of settlement and pogroms and holocausts and you name it. And on the Jew side, they had like saying things like Mary Kratzmich and saying Nishkestoigen and Nishkefloigen and playing cards. So it wasn't exactly like an even fight. So Sam, I felt like there was a lot of information. What's your, what's your takeaway from that? All right. So macro scale, I think Moish said that the war on Christmas is about resisting assimilation, resisting capitalism, and on the micro level, saying funny things like Nishkestoigen, Nishkefloigen, and Merry Kratzmich. You think that's you think that's a reasonable assessment? I think so. Like I like the idea of resisting assimilation being the way, being the primary way of waging the war on Christmas. And but I, and and I think it's interesting because then it positions this particular celebration of Hanukkah as possibly being an assimilationist thing. Yeah, and I think it 
shows how maybe our grandparents could have had a different war on Christmas than us because the processes of assimilation and our incorporation into white supremacy is different than our grandparents. But I'm still having a hard time having it feel like a tangible thing to me. And I think, I don't know, like, I, I still feel like I don't really understand what Montreal Christmas is to be able to talk about ways of resisting it. David, I think I have an idea for you. What's, what's the idea? It involves a parade of tremendous magnitude. What do you mean, tremendous magnitude? Well, every year on St. Catharines, in the heart of capitalism in Montreal, there is a massive Santa Claus parade that I think has hundreds of thousands of people. Hundreds of thousands? Yeah, hundreds of thousands, or that's at least what the Suburban says. Are you sure? Again, my sources are the Suburban, so who knows, but um, the media always reports that it is hundreds of thousands who converge on the heart of consumer capitalism in the city and celebrate the red, green, and white with songs and floats, and it's a a big uh, to-do. So you think we should go? I think that would be a very good way of you understanding your positionality towards Christmas at this point in time. Huh. Uh, I kind of don't want to go, but I think we kind of have to go. The real Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus is going to be here at the 11th annual parade. Apparently, Santa Claus is here with the chef, uh, the leader of his um, uh, elves. They're coming. So they're all going to be here. We're in the right place. No, no, no. Just, just, the, just the leader of his elves, not all the elves. Okay. He's just coming with his like, major lieutenant. I think he this? said lieutenant in French. I, I, I'm trying to translate and talk to you and deal with the rain. So, I, so the elves are a military operation. It sounds like it, yeah. And why are we at the Plaza St. Hebert Christmas Parade, Sam, and not the big one downtown? I believe that you were tasked with determining when we could attend the General Montreal Christmas Day Parade, which apparently has about 300,000 people. We got all the things we needed to get. We arrived, and uh, it looked like they were set, taking everything down. And what turned out happening is... or. Yeah. We're a day late. You can just say we're a day late. It was. It was that we were a day late because it was Saturday. Not Sorry. Monday. So we are now at this B-list <laughs> Christmas, not even B, like E-list <laughs> Christmas Day parade that appears to be not a parade because it's 7 o'clock and there's no parade, but there seems to be people waiting under this awning. Yeah, it's cold and it's raining very hard, but what we're hoping to get from today is a bit of the understanding of the spectacle of, of, of Montreal Christmas. Yes. But do you, so do you, you think these kids are volunteers? Like they're not made by their parents to be here? Oh, no, yeah, but I mean, I think they're, yes, but I don't think they're getting paid was the voluntary part. Because like actually being forced to be here. Is that a Vuvuzuela? But I think so. It's a Vuvuzuela. So currently the sidewalks are full of parents and their children, all paying very close attention to the spectacle that is yet to present itself in the center of the road. A spectacle perhaps never to appear. Well, right now everybody's wearing, they're all wearing Santa outfits and doing a synchronized dance in the rain uh, to this marching band Christmas song that was probably written by some old Jew a hundred years ago. I'm not gonna lie, I'm tapping my foot right now. (laughs) It's pretty good, pretty well done. How would you judge crowd response right now? There's a man in front of us who seems pretty indifferent. (laughs) 
Yeah, this is the pro like who where do they get all these kids from? School. You think it's one school or like a different school? At my school, they would take us out once a year to build sukkahs for people. So that's I don't true. think it's a stretch so they train them to train them to dance in front of people like this. I think that's the Grinch. Where's that Santa Claus? Why is Santa Claus green? And here, and here it comes, the man of the hour, the man that everybody wants to see. The only person in the entire parade who's afforded an umbrella, Santa Claus. He's flanked by a bunch of elves on either side, and he has a fake reindeer in front of him. He looks like he's doing a pretty good job of being Santa, though. Like, he's got the rotund thing, the white beard. I think he's doing a good job. So I have to say, I'm cold, it's raining. The hatred for Christmas is uh, pumping through my veins. Yeah. I'm filled with feelings of coldness and not wanting to be here. Yeah which I think is the general one I have, to, the general feelings I have about Christmas to begin with. Yeah, I think I dislike it more now. All right, Moish, you've talked about this war on Christmas past, but we kind of need to know what the war on Christmas would look like today. Nowadays, nobody cares. I mean... How many of your friends care who killed Jesus, right? You're talking about an era where it was very important to Christians, or to Catholics especially, who killed Christ, and for, to Jews to defend themselves from the charges of being Christ killers. And people suffered pogroms, Holocaust. If you read the... New Testament. It's full. It's full from beginning to end. The Jews are a tiny portion of the population. This is the main book of European culture. And, and it's going on and on about the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. And, and people are fed this kind of stuff, you know. And this is something up until very recently. In 1962, I think, there was a book around that that came out around that time. And it was called The Story of the Century. And what was the story of the century? That the Pope absolved the current Jews of guilt for Christ's murder. And this was incredibly important for Jews. People said, look, it's the story of the century. We're not guilty. I can tell you a funny story about that too, come to think of it. If you want to hear it? When I was a little kid, I was always told this. And you see, this is the difference in the culture of like that generation. I was a small kid and my... Mother always tell me, if they come, they, if the Christians accuse you of killing Jesus, what you should tell them is that the Romans did it. And I had no idea, like, what it's all about, who are the Romans or anything, but that's what I heard. The Romans, the Romans, the Romans. And I was a little kid living on Jean Main Street, right? And there was a little kid that lived up the street from us, that who was one of the only Christians on the street. And I remember him because he always wore a white shirt and a bow tie. His mother used to dress him up this way. The bow tie and short pants and a very high-pitched voice. And, and his name was Gary. Around that time, I got a present from my, maybe it was my birthday or something. We didn't really celebrate birthdays, but for whatever reason, I got a present to one of those old rubber tool sets that I don't know if they still have. And I was sitting on, outside in the steps pretending to be building something. 
and Gary comes along and it's obvious that he's jealous of my tool set. I could see it right away. And with within like seconds, he says to me, like in his high pitched voice, he says, do you know what the Jews did to Jesus? And I'd been coached for that moment practically since birth to say it wasn't the Jews, it was the Romans. And I knew my line perfectly. Like, you know, it's like somebody's rehearsed for a play, like one line that they had in a school play. I knew the line perfectly. I knew I was supposed to say it wasn't the Jews, it was the Romans. But instead, what I said was, no tool set for Gary. And he ran home crying. So that was, in a way, that was my war on Christmas. Except I don't think it, was, it wasn't really Christmas. Maybe it was Christmas. Okay, so I really like the Gary story. But I just feel like we still need to talk to someone who's more grounded in the present war on Christmas. Like, all, all everything that Moshe's telling us, I think, was really great and really helped my understanding about what it means to be at war with Christmas. But it still feels hard for me to think about participating in a war on Christmas when all these stories are so rooted in the past. And searching the internet isn't going to do it for you, eh? Well, I mean, I, I liked all the hashtag stuff on the Twitter. It's pretty funny. But I just I just feel like it'd, it'd be great if we could talk to someone who's participating in Resistance Christmas now. I think I might know someone. Might be hard to get in touch with them, but I'm going to give it a try. So are you comfortable telling us your name? Um, no. <clears throat> or maybe would you be willing to give us some kind of name to refer to you by? So in the movement, I'm known as Little T. Um, that's as much as I can share with you today. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so you've, you've been involved in actions in resistance to Christmas for some time. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about what that has looked like for you? Uh, yes, but I have to say I can't give too many details. I'll do my best to um, share with you what I can, but um, you probably understand the confidential nature of our work. So basically it involves the destruction of symbols of capitalist greed. We don't use the word Christmas. We use the word capitalist greed as a code word because ultimately that's, that's what this is. That's what we're talking about. I don't want to ask you to give any information that you don't want to give, and I know that you won't do that, but could you give some hypotheticals as to what some targets might look like? Um, well, you might be familiar with one of the well-known Christian rituals uh, involving um, an elderly figure and um, a throne that he is placed on. And the Christians bring their children as offerings to speak to this I suppose they see him as some sort of oracle. So we find that this is a, an abhorrent ritual because it's really targeting the, the innocent Christian children and they shouldn't be subjected to this. So we have organized leaflet drops at these uh, shopping centers. They're written in a sort of millennial code so that the, the parents don't understand, but that the children, it kind of acts as a safeguard to stop the children from um, becoming totally subsumed by this pow- the power of the oracle. I mean, you're talking about Santa Claus, right? Um, I believe that's what he's known as, yes, but we don't really find that that to be an appropriate um, name. So, I'm sorry. 
so what are the what are the backgrounds of the other people who are involved in this work and what's the general motivation that everybody shares well like i said i can't give too much information i don't want to compromise the integrity of um, my comrades uh, or of our organization but we you know we're all of one we have a common goal and that's what unites us um we also share the same taste in music and clothing so can people join like if we are interested in participating in action can we just join the group I can't answer that question. Or if I if I was interested in learning more about it, then what we can say here, is there a space that I could go to for that? Um, because like part, part of it for me is that I'm trying to find the meaning of the war on Christmas and I'm having a hard time doing it without actually participating in anything and getting involved in anything. Okay. So I mean, if, outside of joining this group, what would you say to someone like me who's really interested in getting involved in this type of stuff? Like, what would be the uh, what would be a good first step? Well, you know, if you hate Christmas, you don't need to be part of any organization to show it, right? If the fires of anti-Noel hatred course through your veins, right? You you just do what you need to do to show the world, and you know if that's lighting a Christmas tree on fire downtown in Place Bonaventure, then that's what it is. If it's doing a banner drop at the National Assembly to have Christmas banned as a public holiday, that's what it is. If it's taking action within your family and refusing to attend Christmas celebrations or wrapping all of your Christmas presents with black wrapping paper, you know, there are many, many tactics and strategies that can be used in this movement. And if you start working at it, you might find it easier to find your kindred spirits than you, than you really thought. It's a big incline. I've gotten lost on this before. Okay, so just go over it again. We're gonna get to the top. And when we get to the top, there's going to be a cable that goes straight to it. Yeah, there's a little uh, there's a little door, and you just have to. Um, I don't know. The person kind of gave me a diagram and said, "I'll figure it out once we get there." Okay, but do we have but we have our flashlight, right? Definitely. This is like a one-time situation. Okay. Um, okay, so we just got to. We have to like if we find it, we just got to find the cable. We just got to unplug it, and then we just got to get back down the mountain. And then the lights will be off the cross during Christmas. Okay. I think, I think we can do it. I think we can do this. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. So let's just, let's just go and we'll try to be as fast as we can. Yeah. It, uh, it feels a little spooky in here right now, no? It feels extremely spooky. Yeah. I think we probably, I mean, like, I understand that we have to do this after dark, but it's kind of hard to see anything. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. How long do you, this is a lot of steps. I don't know, David. I think this can't take more than like 20 minutes. Okay. I just, uh, I don't do as many sports, you know? Yeah, it's true. There's definitely, this is where the, like, comic book sport gap yeah. is very uh, clear. Just, okay. okay. Almost there, David. Almost I'm okay. There. I'm okay. Just, you know, it's just, just trying to preserve my strength. Definitely. I mean, okay, so what do you... It, we'll just get there really like... But yeah. what, I mean, what, what do you, what was the worst case scenario here if we... What's the worst case scenario here? Uh, honestly, I can't imagine anyone's even going to catch us. It's not like we're putting out a radio show or anything.
Okay, that person's leaving. I don't, th I don't think there's anyone here. Oh, you see the cable? I do, I do. Okay, okay, I'll, okay, I'll try it. Okay, go. Okay, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh shit, okay, keep going. Let's go, go, go. Let's keep going. Are those people? Are those some people coming? No, nah, there's no one here. Okay, no, there's someone over there. Let's go. That might be a ghost. No, that's actually somebody. Definitely a ghost. Okay, okay, okay. Shit. Do you think that? There's no. I don't hear any sirens though. We're on the top of a mountain. Okay. We did it. Yeah. I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Yeah. Inspired by the 2006 student strike. should probably do some thank yous most definitely off the top i think we should thank moshe wolf dolman i think we should thank lil t yeah also thanks to claire hertig uh, our director of design and to kira page our social media coordinator uh thanks to everybody at cqt for letting us book out microphones and uh recording very strange things in the studios here we also have to say a thank you to sax syndrome for the intro music and as always, follow us on the World Wide Web, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Treyf Podcast, T-R-E-Y-F. And uh, send us any emails with comments or suggestions to treyfpodcast.gmail.com. And lastly, from everyone here at Treyf Podcast, Merry Kratzmich. <laughs>